0: i'm robbie mcdonald
1: and i'm jordan lane
0: we're two writers who've been friends for 15 years recently we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have adhd in midlife
1: holy shit i have adhd is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence as well as a way to spread awareness of adhd
0: this is a podcast about adhd hosted by two people with adhd
1: while each episode has a general theme our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process
0: we are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife.
1: If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Welcome Dominic Maggiolo, to the show.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I really appreciate it. This is such a cool experience. Thanks.
1: So Robbie, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell, tell the listeners about kind of... Um, your mutual connection to Dominic uh, through Ryan.
0: Yeah. So um, when Ryan um, put the call out that he was going to be doing a, a photography series about uh, folks who uh, had been diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood, uh, we saw your photo, I think, in one of them, and I was like, "Oh!" And then, did you not? I can't remember now because I have a memory like a sieve when it comes to things like this. Did you email us first? Yeah. Right. So
2: I, yeah. So I emailed you um after speaking with Ryan and going through uh that whole experience and and he shared uh your podcast with me and, and we talked a little bit about it and uh yeah I just wanted to reach out and, and say like you know great work this is awesome um I felt uh you know inspired and I also felt really um uh, excited to kind of share my experience but also it was really cool to see that I mean, you're you're both in Vancouver right?
1: No, I'm I actually am. in Calgary.
2: You're in Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just the idea of it being somewhat local uh, and and mm-hmm. that in itself was uh, exciting for me. So, yeah, I wanted to reach out, just share some kudos and and kind of developed into us talking a little bit more about uh, doing this. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's one of the things that I really, um, I'm really appreciating about this experience so far is that folks are really um Eager to be part of community around it, and I I think it's so amazing what Ryan's doing too, and like the you know how he's bringing people together and how he shares about each experience, and in, in each time it's different and unique, and he learns something new, and you know same same here with the podcast, right? Every time we talk to somebody, even when I talk to Jordan, I learn something new every time, um, because it can feel a bit isolating at first, right? And then and then you go oh wait you feel this way too, like you had this thought too, like and, I, and that's yeah.
2: Well, that's exactly how I felt after speaking with Ryan. That was that was honestly one of my first times speaking with someone uh, who has ADHD uh, in a in a totally open way. Uh, and we laughed and we had fun and we were able to connect on all those uh, topics. And 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 yeah, we were able to riff on, oh, I have that, you have that, um, and sharing those experiences was really cathartic and 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 kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it was nice to open up with with a stranger for the most part uh, about this experience and we were able to, to share that. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself was really amazing. And so, yeah. yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, just the idea of community and, and expanding sort of our, 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 or broaden that scope of who we know who has ADHD and, and creating connections and, and that in itself is, is been really great um, for me specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you find um, prior to that connection that you um, were, it was, it was harder to, to find other folks with uh, ADHD that you could connect with. It's not, you know, it's not like there's Craigslist ads, like come to yeah, our no. ADHD meetup <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. I only night thought that I know of. Yeah.
2: No, but that's, that's exactly it. So I wasn't for, I wasn't really seeking it out in the first place, uh, up until, um, my wife actually shared, uh, the post that Ryan did, uh, uh regarding his, um, photography project mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I had some happy apprehensions at first, I kind of didn't want to do it. And then I decided mm-hmm. to, and, and I thought that that would be really good for me to kind of reach out and to talk with other folks who do have ADHD. And I'm happy I did. Mm-hmm. Because that sort of, you know, snowballed into something a little bit more interesting where now I'm doing this, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and we can touch on this later, but I've started to share a little bit about uh, my experiences with ADHD uh, in my workplace. And, and that's been helpful in so many ways. Um, and so starting to kind of share that with with folks has been really, really cathartic for me and and helpful and and has started that dialogue with other people and, and yeah.
0: Yeah, it's almost so, um,
1: like... Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, when you talk about it, you give others permission to do the same, right? Mm. Like when you open up, other people can be, and Jordan has mentioned this too, like, you know, when you're vulnerable, it gives me permission to be vulnerable and that just creates more space for, for truth-telling, right?
2: Yeah, the vulner- vulnerability piece is, is you know, was, was a little hard at first. And, and I'm, I'm happy that that's something that, you know, I've kind of gone past now. And I think that that's only opened the doors to starting more conversations um, and, and also,
1: you know, creating friendships and connecting with others uh, who have ADHD. Yeah.
0: Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah.
1: yeah so um, based on kind of context clues that I'm picking up, it sounds like you finding out you have ADHD was a relatively recent thing. Yeah, so, you know,
2: I've been diagnosed uh, now for over a year, uh, formally with ADHD, and, um, you know, that wasn't surprising. Uh, So, you know, uh, that's something that innately I felt like I've had for a long time, but more so as an adult, I was able to to hyper focus more specifically on, yeah, that's something that I think I do have. And so I started that process and it, it was a process to eventually get to a diagnosis. Uh, and I'm happy I did.
1: So was there a sort of initial catalyst that um, that that made you sort of realize, oh, geez, this sounds a lot like my experiences?
2: Yeah, a big part of it was just, again, working in schools. Um, so, you know, I work as a vice principal in a public school. And, and the work that I do uh, in, uh, around uh, um, supporting students uh, with various, uh, you know, who are neuro- neurodiverse, um, <laughs> Allowed me to really be like, oh, okay, this is kind of like me, or this was like me when I was a when I was a child, um, and and a lot of these same uh, the same um, traits I was seeing in myself as an adult. Uh, a big part of it was also I have an amazing supportive wife. She, you know, was hugely influential in me uh, going uh, forward with with this process, and you know, she herself is an educator. Um, and, and, noticed a lot of the, the, the traits, uh, ADHD traits, uh, within me. And, and, and so for a long time, I was like, I think I have ADHD, or I think I, I have something similar to that. And, and, I, and it eventually just
1: led to me, you know, starting that process. Hmm. So, how long did you kind of suspect that before you actually began investigating it seriously?
2: Yeah, probably like a good five years. Wow. Um, yeah, probably a good five years of me essentially battling with myself, being like, ah, should I do this? I think I have something like that. Um, and, and eventually got to the point where I, 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 I just went for it. Hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Would you say that you're um, a combined type or inattentive or has that been
2: uh, Yeah, more, more uh, it has been explored. So uh, <laughs> I'm more um, combined, but I'd say more on the, um, losing my words right now. <laughs> Happens um, to
0: me all the time, to worry about yeah. it. <laughs> that's,
2: that's one of the, and I'm happy you can relate, uh, is the memory piece has been super challenging, specifically recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is it frustrating, uh, but it's, it, it can be embarrassing at times. Um, just not forgetting, like forgetting words yeah. is, is like, I'm trying to think of the word and I can't. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I'm more uh, energized, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. What's the word I'm looking for? Read my mind.
0: Um, hyper.
2: Thank you. Yes, more (laughs) hyper. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that would sum it up a little bit more closely for me.
0: Mm, Yeah, I'm always
2: on the go. I'm always moving. I'm always tapping. I'm always, uh, fidgeting. That's, that's probably the main thing you'll notice about me. I'm swiveling in my chair right mm -hmm. now. Um, yeah.
0: And do you find if you're in a situation um, where it's kind of um, impolite or, or whatever, people might view it that way, that you try to suppress them? Like, and then does that cause you, um, because I know if I try to sit too still, it actually causes me f- both physical discomfort and then my memory goes even more fuzzy and it's hard for me to to function.
2: Yeah, I can relate to that. That's exactly how I feel. That's uh, for, for a long time before I was formally diagnosed, That that's exactly what I was doing. I was was suppressing it. Um, and that in itself caused me anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of, uh, went inward and a lot of times that was happening, uh, during in-person meetings, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, trying to stay still, uh, and, and feeling the need to leave and just move my body for a little bit and come back. And so I eventually developed some strategies to work around that. And, um, you know, that was helpful, but yeah, that was really tough for a long time, just suppressing that. And, and Even feeling, uh, like you're saying, the physical sensations. I I even started to sweat. Mm. Uh, uh, That was really tough. Uh, But now, because I'm a lot more open with it, um, and and to be honest, the environment that I'm working in, um, folks are really uh, sensitive but aware of ADHD and and neurodiverse people. Um, I'm not trying to hide it so much. And because Mm. I am a little bit more outspoken with it, I feel like I have... Yeah, I'm able to do that. So swiveling in my chair is not a big deal, and and I've embraced that, and I'm okay with that too. So um, I don't care as much
0: now Mm -hmm. about
2: what what that may look like, uh, and if it was something that you know was ever asked, I would be upfront about it.
0: Yeah, um, you're actually reminding me of um, a documentary we watched this weekend about Oliver Sacks. Are you familiar with him, his work Mm -hmm. at all? Yeah,
1: the man Um, who mistook his wife for a car. That guy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Or a, a hat. Yeah, the a hat. Is, yeah, yeah. it's what it's in um, car, anyway. Right, and the movie Awakenings with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro was based on his work with um, with folks. But there's there's one point in the documentary when he's walking along, it's like old footage from the 70s, and he's with a, a young man who has Tourette's, and they're walking around in Queens, and the young man's like doing what he does, right? Mm. Um, and uh, Oliver is just like walking along with him fully accepting of that. And they interviewed this gentleman like, like recently, and he says like, it was so amazing to just be accepted for who I am and not have to hide. And he just like you said that was just such a liberating experience for him. So when you're when you're describing like just being yourself um, in the ADHD um, universe, like just like that just sounds so. I just kind of get a bit goosebumpy because I think that um, busting the stigmas around this is something I care deeply about. And so when you're describing being in a in a work environment where people are like yeah. Like what else? Like just swivel in your chair. Let's, let's just get the work done. Right. It doesn't matter if you're like sitting stock still. Like, um, well, exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. And and we notice that uh, in students as well. And, and and let you know. Let me just make it clear too that like I am in a position of power. Uh, I am a white male. I do have liberties there, and and I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be questioned. Um, mm-hmm. And and so. I take that you know um, very seriously, and and that's something that um, I try to make myself vulnerable in those situations, just to show that that this is something that I'm I'm working with and I'm I'm dealing with, um, but you know I'm not gonna be essentially questioned about those things on- honestly, um, and so yeah. I try to take that seriously, and 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 that's something that I I want to honor and make sure that um, I'm not taking advantage of as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah that just, was
1: something go sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead, Jordan. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna do my standing desk sure. thing because I'm having a hard time sitting. Great.
1: No, I was uh I was just saying that our last guest, John Schadler, touched on that too. Um, that, you know, the outcomes for racialized people as undiagnosed ADHD are extremely different than yep. um your experiences, his, mine under Robbie's too. Um and yeah, and, and it is important to recognize that. Um so I'm, I'm kind of curious with your with your work as an educator, um, what, I, I guess, with your own educational experiences in childhood, um, Robbie and I both have the kind of classic, like we were both very obviously ADHD, but just the people weren't around to kind of recognize that there maybe wasn't the knowledge there. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, about your experiences as a child and then what you see um, in educational institutions now, as far as what's changed, as uh, the knowledge base and and being able to recognize students as maybe maybe there's something going on there that this person needs a different kind of support.
2: Yeah, so you know, uh, as a child, I was I was by no means the best student. I essentially uh, you know was pretty average, and I was fine with that. I enjoyed school. I had a really good experience at school. Um, I come from a family of educators as well um, and so uh, school is always talked about in a very positive way um, uh, and so uh, my experience in schools was was fine I, I had a very normal in my opinion very normal uh, uh, um, experience and but I have had some challenges that I struggled with and and I was supported a lot of a lot of support came from my mom um, specifically but um, yeah, I had a lot of challenges and, and, and supports uh, from my mom, which I was really grateful for. Uh, so for example, if we went all the way to elementary school, um, I struggled, I struggled a lot with uh, academics and I was that hyperactive kid that uh, was often fidgeting and often uh, speaking out uh, and often um, not necessarily thinking uh, before I speak. And so that led me into a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, honestly, I was, I was, I was suspended a few times. I was, uh, like from like within school, I would be in school, I would have to stay in the office. Um, and, and that wasn't fun that, you know, Mm. gave me a pretty sour taste in my mouth. Um, and then in high school, uh, very similar. I, I, again, I had a really good high school experience, um, but still very hyperactive, called out a lot. And, uh, yeah, I would run my mouth, um and 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 because of that i was often in trouble um and um i wasn't supported in the way that now as an educator i should have been knowing that you know mm. n- as an educator i know that i should have been supported. uh I, I haven't been tested for this but i most likely have some learning disability as well um you know and that wasn't assessed that wasn't that wasn't tested for um behavior was a huge one. That was, that, was, that was what led me into a lot of trouble uh, with my teachers and, and, and crea- created a lot of frustration for me at school. And so, um, you know, again, knowing now as an educator, I should have been supported and I should have been uh, helped uh, through a lot of these challenges. I had a lot of big uh, feelings and emotions and never had access to a uh, counselor. I never had access to anyone to speak to. And, and yeah, I mean, a big shout out to my mom. She she supported me through a lot of those uh, moments. Uh, she's an educator herself. And so uh, she knew. Um, but but it wasn't something we talked about a lot either. We didn't talk mm. about ADHD. We didn't talk about uh, mental health. Um, that wasn't something that was discussed in schools uh, or, in, or in our home as well either.
0: Hmm. You know what you're um um, reminding me that uh, I, I struggled with them. I was suspended a number of different times when I was in uh, high school and um, definitely would get a uh, lot a lot of trouble for truancy and being late and stuff like that and also not sitting still. Um, but it was always the vice principal who would play the bad cop and you knew if you're going to the vice principal's office, things weren't going to go well for you that day. They, they didn't tend at that point in, my, in the educational system, at least in Ontario where I was, to be compassionate they were the hard asses they were here to tell you you were in shit and that things were not like you're you gotta you know pull up your bootstraps so I'm curious to hear like what you know you come across as a very compassionate person like has that just has the whole system shifted
2: yeah so um it has um and I had the exact same experience as you did um the vice principal would deal with me oftentimes I also uh am from Ontario and so Um, you know, I dealt with him a lot in high school and, and yeah, it it almost became a a joke. Like I really didn't know what to do. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was Mm. really angry and, and I didn't know how to, uh, deal with anger. Now as an adult, uh, that's something that I was able, I'm able to work through. And, and these are things that uh, are very real. These are very real emotions, but as a, as a child and a teenager, um, my emotional literacy was 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 absolutely zero. I had no understanding of what emotions were, and only as an adult, <clears throat> excuse me, have I started looking into what that actually means. Um, and and that's super liberating. Um, so yeah, I was angry, um, and having to deal with the vice principal on a you know monthly basis because I was shouting or saying something in you know in class uh, became something very frustrating. And and yeah, there. It was always punitive. Mm. It, it was always punitive, regardless of what I did, and and there was no conversation around, um, hey, let's 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 create some strategies to work with you. Um, and mm-hmm. so, a big part of my job um, as a vice principal um, is I love I I do enjoy working with students who have challenges with behavior, because this is something that we should not. You know, we should not be making punitive. There's a reason why a student is acting out. And so mm-hmm. trying to investigate that and working with the child and the student to kind of, uh, you know, support them and uplift them because they don't feel great. They don't feel great about shouting or hitting someone or doing anything along those lines. They don't feel good about doing that. And 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 that's the paradigm shift is that, like, you know, as a child or as a as a teenager, you know, I felt like I was... You know, looked at as someone who enjoyed doing these things. Mm-hmm. When you know, even as adults, and I'm sure you can all relate it to that. I don't enjoy cutting someone off in conversation. I don't enjoy, uh, you know, you know, insert some uh, ADHD trait. Sometimes it's yeah, it's it's like ah, uh, okay, yeah, sorry, you know, you don't enjoy it. Like, um, and so as a child and a teenager, yeah, it was frustrating because I wasn't supported. Um, but a big part of my job is is supporting those kids and making sure that they do feel supported and they feel heard.
0: Mm. I think that's like such a huge thing, is uh, for so many ADHD folks. So yeah, like I because being undiagnosed in the in the 80s and you know, it just I felt so invisible most of the time and just so like my almost like my voice was trapped in my throat. I couldn't express, I didn't have the language, I didn't have the support. Um so in in a way it's encouraging knowing that you exist in the world and that kids who are coming up through the system now will have that more conscious and aware uh, presence in their lives instead of just like you said the punitive aspect of it. it's like you know shut up and sit down. Exactly. Which is not good for kids with ADHD.
2: No, it's yeah. not at all. And and so working with them and, and and there are times where yeah you have to be punitive but it's looking at how you Make sure that um, whatever you're doing to that it may be punitive, you know works with them as well. Um, and have a conversation about why you're doing that and give them a rationale and and kind of mm. express that. Lead with empathy and 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 say, like, listen, like this happened and I'm sorry that that happened. Um, like'm I'm, I'm sorry that that happened and, and and work with them and try to understand what that feeling was uh, for whatever may have happened and say, you know, we have to work through this and we have to work at, at repairing it. Let's let's repair this and let's work at, at finding a solution to making it better. And and, and sometimes you're going to feel this way. But let's see how we can work with that and, and kind of creating solutions that are
1: proactive rather than reactive.
0: Mm. Yeah. Over to you, Jordan.
1: Oh, just um I can relate to so much of that, Um, especially not when I was younger, not being able to kind of um, recognize and and deal with the emotions that I was feeling. Um, and especially anger, like that's something where um, expressing anger was not encouraged. Um, and I don't know if that was your experience as well. But uh, yeah, and, and so as a result, I just always shoved that down and just stuck mm-hmm. it down. And then it would come out all at once way bigger than than you know i would ever expect like i i told my music teacher to go f herself one time and just like and i'm normally like that super quiet kid i would never ever do something like that and i liked her but it just like she she'd said like three things in a row that were pissing me off um yeah and and so yeah so like being able to kind of have that as a kid, that kind of better understanding of of your emotional baseline, and healthy strategies for kind of coping with that would be would have been so easy. But as you say, you know, we just didn't talk about mental health that way when the three of us were young. So um, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm curious about something. So obviously, uh, keeping it general, but um, so when, when you are uh, dealing with a, a behavior problem or a learning problem or something, and you have a suspicion that that student might have ADHD or something like that, I'm just curious kind of like how, um, how much you kind of are able to or choose to suggest that stuff to them and kind of like, hey, this might be what's going on, or do you just kind of like uh, focus on the behavior and hope that they kind of come to these conclusions themselves?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, luckily we have, I, I work with uh, amazing educators and, and folks that work in education, uh, you know, counselors, youth and family workers, uh, support workers, uh, teachers, and again, administrators, and, and specifically the school that I'm at, uh, I got to say that the team is incredible at, at working with students who ho- who are neurodiverse or, and also have an understanding of what that means. Um, a big part of it is trying to work through various strategies with them, um, looking at the behavior and, and trying to implement strategies. So as simple as you know, creating a routine for them, uh, checking in with them first thing, having a visual schedule for a student, mm-hmm. that is, is super helpful. In fact, all students uh, you know would benefit them. And, and most classes have that, specifically in elementary school, most teachers have that up on the board, um, but having their own personal uh, visual schedule Super important, giving them the option to have breaks um, and, and, and that being unstructured. So having the ability to walk out of the classroom for a bit and, and doing whatever they need to do, going to the washroom, grabbing a drink of water, eating food, um, you know, for me specifically, food is a big one. Having that sensory, uh, sensory piece is really important. Um, so you know, neurodiverse kids uh, and adults uh, would maybe relate with that. Um, so trying sort of, sort of baseline strategies to kind of work with their behavior. Um, if that's not so successful, having a conversation with uh, uh, the parent and, and just saying, hey, these are things that I've observed. We have various mechanisms in school that, you know, for example, we, on a weekly basis, uh, uh, and this may be different all over Canada and different schools and whatnot, but specifically in Vancouver, at least, Uh, You know, we have a mechanism called a school-based team and we sort of work, uh, you know, with um, the resource teachers, the school psychologists, the counselors, the teachers and so on. We meet uh, and we talk about uh, specific students who, who maybe have challenges and we try to come up with solutions to support those students. Um, and we try to make them as um, you know, thoughtful and uh, we try to leave it again with empathy and, and, and ensuring that we, we look at how we can make them successful. And so teachers may bring up a student who is demonstrating some behaviors and say, listen, I think that this is something that I'm noticing and, and I've observed. We're not the doctor, we're not the uh, professional in, in, in being able to diagnose. However, we have some uh, you know, ideas based on, on experience And so what will likely happen in that situation is we would recommend having a conversation with the parent and saying, here's something we've observed in the classroom. Uh, Are you observing these things at home? Um, Oftentimes the parent will say yes. And and the teacher can say, you know, um, we would be happy to, uh, you know, uh, write a letter of support or offering observations if you choose to go to a family doctor or pediatrician to have a conversation. We can't, you know, make a diagnosis. We can't make those recommendations. However, we can have those conversations with the parent and, and then the parent can decide whether or not they want to pursue something like that. Mm. And so that's been, you know, this year uh, that's happened multiple times, multiple wow. times. We've had, you know, teachers come up and say, listen, I think that this is happening based mm. on an X, Y and Z. And, and we'll make that recommendation. And and yeah, a few times this year, the parents went, they had conversations with their family doctors and um, they were assessed, um, and, 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 and again, these are, are families that, that um, have access to doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the community that I'm in, not all families do, and, and that's a barrier, yeah. um, and that leads to, to um, you know, uh, it's, it's challenging it struggles, uh, you know, making sure that a lot of these uh, kids can get assessed. I think it is beneficial because the more we know, the more we can support them. Um, But, you know, to the families who can access those things, um, it it has happened uh, multiple times this year.
0: Um, Do you think that that is related to the pandemic and the way that educators had to pivot uh, to support uh, kids and try to, you know, keep continuing conveying all this information and knowledge to them, um, most often through a screen, um, or at least at some points? Um, Do you think that may, like, and just, like, the overall stress of living through a pandemic kids are just like sponges for emotions right so they would feel like coming off their parents and
2: yeah yeah a, a big focus this year was ensuring just their mental well-being was was addressed and and there's the so, so, social emotional piece was was more so focused on than than the academics academics were were at the forefront uh you know when when possible Uh, but really making sure that the kids were happy and that they were supported was, was really uh, what all of our teachers and educators were working on this year. Um, Some of it through a screen, some of it was in person. And um, you know, if, again, if you don't have that social emotional piece uh, taken care of, you're not really going to be doing math or science anyway. So um, there's no point. (laughs) Yeah. There's just no point. And so, uh, you know, a big, a big job this year was, was, uh, you know, I would say a lot of the, the, the work landed on, on, uh, those on the front line. And so, uh, um, you know, I'm not in a classroom, uh, but I am managing a school. Uh, but those that were teachers, support workers, uh, in the classroom, had a lot to deal with and, mm-hmm. and it was really stressful and, you know, kudos to them because they were professional and they really, again, led with empathy and, uh, that was obvious because the students were happy. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there were uh, a lot of challenges, um, but they really worked hard to make sure that um, students felt safe and supported this year.
0: Amazing, yeah, it sounds like you work with an incredible group of people.
2: I really
1: do, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, so and
1: what? go ahead, Jordan. Oh, just one thing I'm curious about as far as because you were talking about supports and accommodations for people with ADHD and something that Robbie and I have talked about and I've talked about with some other teacher friends of mine is um, in the online learning thing, there's been uh, it's largely been expected that it's going to be camera on and you're kind of seated there in front of uh, the screen the whole time and paying attention. And I'm curious if that's something where you've been able to kind of use your experiences to push back on that at all, or if you think that's worth pushing back on and just kind of because, you know, it's not comfortable to, you know, sit, sit still and kind of like, okay, I got to manage everything in my body so I don't look like a psycho or whatever. Um, and that that can be really tough on people. So
2: Yeah, it really was. Uh, I mean, this year uh, we had the school district offered various options for kids to access learning. Um, last sort of going into last, the end of last year is where teachers were dealing essentially with their whole class online. We had no students at school. And so that was more challenging, uh, just because, uh, they had to deal with the entire class online. Uh, this year, uh, I'd say the majority of our students were at school. Um, and so that made things a lot easier, uh, for the most part, uh, know being able to manage students in person um but to answer your question um you kind of had to lead with a lot of flexibility it wasn't Mm -hmm. perfect and it it was never going to be perfect and so trying to again uh teachers everyone else involved pivoted uh you know very quickly to try and address uh the ever-changing world and and because of that Um, They did their best to accommodate uh, everyone as much as they could, and they did an amazing job. Um, And so, um, you know, trying to ensure that. So, for example, students who are a bit older, talking like from grades five and up, you can you can engage a little bit more online. You can have those conversations a little bit easier uh, but when you're looking at students who are a bit younger who need to move, uh, that was more challenging. And so the way that the curriculum was essentially created was making sure that you can have activities that are able to, you're able to do at your own pace. Um, you know, you're able to kind of reflect, not necessarily with a group of, uh, other students online and your teacher, uh, that's not really possible. It's tough and it's, it doesn't make for the best learning. So just making sure that you can offer as many options to the kids as possible to demonstrate their learning.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah. I sense, like, yeah. Demonstrate their learning, like just offering them options instead of, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: so that it's not just co- cookie cutter and <laughs> there wasn't a formula, you know, there wasn't uh, here's what you need you need to do. And this is the only way to do it. It, it was just like, hey, this is kind of what we're learning about. Here are some resources mm-hmm. uh, and and let's let's go from there. Uh, show me what you know about it. And um, this is a super vague example. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, giving them the opportunity to yeah, demonstrate their learning. Uh, that supported again, their sort of situations. Not every student was in the same situation, for example, either, you know, we had students who were able to be at home with their parents right. uh, during the pandemic. We had other students who weren't. And so, yeah. you know, that was challenging and making sure that that was uh, uh, recognized and acknowledged and, and supporting those students. Um,
0: <clears throat> Jordan, do you mind if I had to get into uh, the book? No, that please. uh Okay. So. Um, You did mention um, being familiar with Gabor Mathieu's work uh, with with Scattered Minds, uh, Mm. the book that was really um, instrumental for me when I was first diagnosed. Like I just like, I read it in probably two days. um, And then I go back to it all the time. My mom has read it and she, I saw her for the first time in a year yesterday and she couldn't talk. She just couldn't stop talking about it. Just like, just so many things. It just prompted so many things. And because he has this like, foundation of what he calls compassionate inquiry. And that comes through in everything that he does. Um, And, you know, you being kind of East Vancouver, like he's kind of an icon in that neighborhood I find globally now. Um, But when when you read that book, like was that like a big um, important moment for you? And do you use that to inform the work that you do? Or is it just for your personal um, awareness?
2: That's a great question. so, uh, making sure that, uh, for example, in, in the work that I'm doing is often leading uh, and often uh, working with with trauma-informed practices, mm-hmm. and so understanding that the community that you're 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 going into, uh, I don't live in this community, I don't live far from it, but I don't I don't live in this community. I know that, um, it, you know, ensuring that you you you're going in. Um, prepared and and having an understanding of the community that you're going into and making sure that you can support, uh, you know, the community as well as the students that are living in this community. So that was, that was pretty foundational. And I think understanding that and um, making sure that um, I have those tools uh, to be able to support those students. So a lot of the work that I did this year was making sure that I was educating myself, Mm -hmm. uh, listening and, and really speaking with folks to make sure that um, I know the context of the situations that I'm coming into. And so uh, that's probably been one of the best learning pieces for me uh, so far is uh, making sure that I'm listening and that I'm learning uh, and, and gaining um, the perspective of you know, the situations that a lot of the folks that are in uh, making sure that I can, I can support that and, and, and have an understanding of that.
0: Mm.
2: And, and yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, so, uh, the, uh, Jordan had mentioned that you brought up the book Scattered Minds. Like, was it one that you read early on in your discovery in your own discovery, or was it.
2: So the book was actually recommended by a colleague of mine as well. And so, uh, when it was, I started reading it and, um, you know, I started opening up about, uh my ADHD to, to, again, in the work, in, in the workplace with some of my colleagues and, and it came up naturally. And, and I was lucky, I was able to find other colleagues who also had ADHD. And, and so mm. she recommended that book and, um, you know, that was pretty great. Like, uh, she gave me amazing resources, uh, mm-hmm. around the work that she had done in her graduate program. And, um, that led me to kind of seek other things out. Um, Related to that book,
0: hmm. um, so yeah, when you talk about like the trauma, um, the trauma piece, a lot of people kind of relate that back, right? Like, uh, um, if if there if that does exist uh, in somebody's kind of life, then it, it can often kind of amplify the ADHD yeah. traits, right? Um, but supporting yeah. that from that lens, like you talked about, from a trauma informed lens, so you understand that there's much more to what's going on than just a behavior that you're seeing in the present moment, right?
2: Yeah, and that's been, that's been, uh, yeah, extremely eye-opening for me in a lot of ways, um, making sure that, and 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 again, this is something we're seeing a lot more in schools, not only are we leading with, and very specific, you know, sites, but also as a district I think is happening, but um, yeah, leading with, with trauma-informed uh, practices uh, mm-hmm. ensures that, you know, we are uh, gaining a better understanding of of the students that we're we're dealing with, but um, the the big piece here is just making sure that again you're you're leading with empathy and and mm-hmm. um, you have an understanding of the whole situation uh, as much as you can um, because yeah they may be acting out but there's a lot more p- potentially happening in the background that you don't know and 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 it's not our role to uh, it's not our role to to uh, uh, you know, make it worse by, by, I don't know, triggering the student or, or, uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a better word, but you're not looking to bring those feelings up, uh, in a way that, you know, is going to make them feel worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so again, thinking of the language that you're using when talking with students who, who are neurodiverse, um, but also, uh, yeah, understanding the
1: context that you're working in. Mm-hmm. Jordan? Well, I would have killed to have a, a, prince, a vice principal you know, with, uh, with your kind of empathy. And, and um, yeah, there's something I've talked a little bit about the show before is I think that's really great that that perspective has changed in education as far as um, moving away from the punitive aspect and saying, OK, well, if there's something going on here, let's take it for granted that people generally want to treat each other well and be nice to each other. And so there's something going on here. What's going on with that? And that's something that um, I've really uh, tried to kind of apply in my own life in the last couple of years since figuring um, not only about the ADHD, but just as a general kind of empathy thing. It's just like, why don't we give adults that same benefit of doubt? Like, why don't we give people who use drugs that same benefit of doubt? Why don't we give people who... You know, um, like you said, road rage or, or or cutting someone off or whatever, you know, like kind of kind of having that that empathy for it, and then really kind of asking, okay, so what what else is at the core of this? because people I, I do believe maybe it's naive my naivete that people want to generally be nice to each other. so
2: no, you're right. People want to be good. People want to be kind to each other. No one mm-hmm. wants to feel angry, no one wants to feel mean, and no one wants mm-hmm. to display that in a way that hurts or harms anyone else. Um, And and anytime that does happen, especially with uh, folks who do have ADHD, anytime that does happen, you don't feel great at all about what Mm -hmm. just happened. And and I think a big part of it as an adult, uh, being able to reflect on those moments uh, has been very helpful, Uh, you know, and and that's not something that every adult or every student or every kid who has ADHD can do. Uh, By no means am I perfect at all. Uh, You know, I've just scratched the surface on trying to understand my own emotions, uh, you know, honestly, I have the emotional literacy of of a younger kid. Like, honestly, I really do, and I think that that's okay to say. And I think that that's uh, something that you know, as an educator, but also as an adult, uh, I want to model and 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 be okay about discovering your emotions and and learning mm. how to label them. I have a younger daughter, and and having those conversations uh, with her you know, and making sure that you can model uh, what 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 anger mean, uh, is or what happiness is and, and having conversations around that. Um, and I don't know if your experiences are the same, but growing up, that's not something that we really talked about all that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Why am I, you know, why am I feeling angry? Is it because I'm feeling sad about something? Is it because I'm scared of something? Because anger is really just the core emotion, but it's really stemming from something else. And so, right. um, you know, my understanding of emotions uh, has, has been eye-opening for me in so many ways, and I've only really started to discover that over the last couple of years um, through you know therapy, through reading, through working with professionals uh, in my line of work. Uh, and um, again, I have a really incredible support network at home. My wife is a very empathetic person, and she has a real good sense of her emotions, and we have a lot of conversations around that. And so, yeah, I think, I think that social emotional piece is huge uh, for folks with ADHD. You don't have the language, for me anyway, the, my experience is mm. I don't have the language and, and I'm being very honest here. I don't have the language to describe how I'm feeling sometimes. Mm. I, you know, I am uh, you know, a man in my 30s who, who can't describe what I'm feeling, like, uh, feeling right now. Uh, and, and so that work is really hard. And I think that that's been also really empowering for me in a lot of ways is trying to label those feelings and reading and, and getting a sense of what that really feels. Um, and so, yeah, it's exciting to share that, that work with, with people that you know, I'm close to and, and also opening up a little bit more about that in my own uh, professional life. I think that that's helpful for for some students, as also you know, some of my colleagues to know because we're all really doing that. We're all trying to get an under, gain an understanding of our emotions. You know, we're all adults who have hard moments and deal with hard emotions. Um, some of us have a harder time describing what that feels like.
0: Right, and what that kind of brings up for me is the idea that um, if you can see it, you can be it. So, um for somebody you know who has ADHD who struggled in school who was in fact suspended um, and yeah. was not like a model student per se yeah. um, to be in a role where um, you are you know you're managing you're supporting you're providing guidance <clears throat> and structures and perhaps even innovating in some places to to say that you're you struggle with some of those emotional things as well um, yeah. could provide somebody um like a student to see that and say, okay, well, that's okay then. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's an act of kind of invitation, if you will. Right. Um, I think that's amazing.
2: Thank you. And yeah. And, and to be honest, it's, it's something that I feel is important to do. And, and I'm not the only one who's doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and then that's also really encouraging because, you know, the educators that I work with are incredible at sharing and, and opening up, up about their own emotions as well and having that that emotional literacy is is foundational especially in elementary school um, if you're able to describe and, and also not only that but uh, under like feel your emotion uh, you know angry I feel hot um, having that that language is so important because it makes conversation a lot easier especially when we're dealing with situations where you know behavior may be an option or a, a thing um we can relate to like very common language in our schools. so you know a lot of schools do this but um we're seeing more and more conversation again around mental health we're seeing more mm-hmm. and more conversation around social emotional literacy and learning and that's huge as a kid we didn't have that uh, so that's huge and i think that we're on the right we're on the right path and in the right direction but also having a common language. So different Mm -hmm. schools use different programs to kind of teach that. Um, And and again, we're supported from from various mental health uh, providers, either in the community or we have school counselors uh, who Mm -hmm. uh, are registered clinical counselors working in schools. We don't have enough of them. Uh, uh, It would be amazing to have a lot because that's what you're dealing with that's what's happening in schools. Kids are, you know, balls of emotion and, and learning how and what that feels like is, is foundational to, to anything. Like, uh, you know, I would put that first before learning, you know, um, math and so on. And I'm saying that Please. very facetio- facetiously. Nobody needs like, that
0: you know, math crap anyway. Let's talk about you, our feelings. It, yes, well, you know <laughs>
2: what I mean though? Like, it, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's ex- extremely important because uh, everyone's coming from different situations. And I think that that's uh, important to talk about. And yeah.
0: Mm. I know we're so, kind of coming up on an hour here. Jordan, do you have uh, something? Well, to There's on? just
1: one more thing I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Um, we When you were just talking about kind of uh, reflecting on your past experiences there. Um, so that's been something that has been a real roller coaster for me since finding out last November that I have ADHD is kind of Looking back on my past and the parts of myself that I didn't like, and actions that I took, and and ways that I you know hurt people and things like that, and really being like able to kind of um, let go of some of the guilt and the shame around that, and and because I have this different lens that I understand myself through now, and be able to be more forgiving, and I'm I'm just kind of curious what your own relationship with yourself looks like, and kind of how that's changed in in the last year, if that's something you're uh, comfortable talking about.
2: Yeah. Um... A big part of what makes my own reflection, uh, so reflecting on my past um, has been challenging, to be honest. Um, I, just like yourself, I do feel a lot of guilt and shame for the behaviors, uh, for the way that I feel um, or have felt. Um, and that in itself is challenging to navigate. Um, you know, a big part of of the reflection and the work that I do is, is through therapy. And I think that that's uh, been incredible. Uh, I've worked with, Uh, you know, an amazing counselor, as well as uh, currently working with an amazing psychologist. And I think that not only, first of all, I'd love to plug just the fact that I think everyone should uh, go and and work with, you know, some mental health provider. I think that that is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, There should be no stigma around it. There should be no shame around it. I think it is extremely, extremely positive, uh, you know, with the acknowledgement that not everyone can um, and, and, and I feel very grateful and I feel very privileged to be able to do that. Uh, because again, in the work that I'm in, I do notice that these are barriers. These are barriers that not only adults, but students mm. can't access. And that's a shame. It is. And, and it's, not, it's not the fault of, of you know, the school district. It's an institutional uh, you know, uh, thing that's uh, not uh, available. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the resources uh, available to get to these folks, unfortunately. And so even, for example, uh, a, a person like myself, yeah, I've been on multiple wait lists. I've had to wait a long time to get to even a person to talk to. And so that's after me being persistent and, and yeah, being annoying and emailing. And, and that's just the sort of reality that we're kind of working in. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks aren't going to put that work in, especially if they're mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of mental health uh, challenges, especially if their mental health isn't great. Yeah. They're, you know, folks aren't just going to, they're not going to keep pushing and, and asking for help. And so, yeah, we need more of that. And so if you can access uh, any form of mental health services, yeah, I definitely encourage you. I think it's, it's been hugely beneficial for my own reflection. And so, Working in schools is, is, is cathartic for me because I'm able to model and, 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 and learn through that. Um, but there are some big feelings that I haven't quite unraveled yet. And I haven't quite um, been able to make sense of or really been able to vocalize in a way that you know, makes sense. And so I think that that's something that I'm continuing to do. And, I, and I, mm. I'm OK with that. Uh, and I'm okay to continue doing that work. I think it's something that, you know, with ADHD, it's it's not going to go away. It's something that we're always going to have. And I think yeah. that that's okay mm. as well. I think it's positive. I think there are a lot of great benefits that come with ADHD. Um, and I think it's about, yeah, changing the narrative around what ADHD looks like or what ADHD is. Honestly, a lot of people, speaking very broadly,
0: mm.
2: people think that ADHD is very much, um, I can't you know, pay attention to anything, or you know, I'm I'm too hyperactive, or uh, I'm you know, the the classic sort of things that you can Google, and you know, yeah, that's that's it. But it's it's more nuanced than that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like we were talking earlier, when I couldn't think of a word, memory is a big one. Memory yeah. is huge, and we notice that in kids as well. Like struggling with memory is a big one. Oh, they can't remember uh, reading a story that we read yesterday. Yeah. It's, I can't either, you know, like
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the and that's okay. Thing. Oh, good grief How many names yeah. I've forgotten? It's just so embarrassing because it's like I just met that person like a week ago, and I'm staring yeah. at them, and I'm like, oh, what is
2: that? like,
0: uh I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and I'm
2: and I I'm just upfront about things like that, and I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, uh or like, Hey, remind me of your name again. I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, Mm -hmm. and yeah, that apology is, is, is genuine. And I think that that's fine to apologize. I think that that's just something that we're dealing with. And I think that that's okay.
0: Absolutely. Um, I did hear somebody say that, um, if you, if you, if you were to say to somebody, I have a brain condition that prevents me from retaining certain pieces of information, people will be a lot more, um, gentle and compassionate and patient than if you just straight up say you have ADHD. Um, which I think is, is that really annoys me because that's exactly what it is. If you describe it in a different way, people, it lands differently for people.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, and and also like if you do say I have ADHD, oh yeah, I have that too. (laughs) And I think, you know, like having that conversation around like, Mm. oh, I'm so ADHD. It's like, that's fine. And I think that like, you know, being newly diagnosed, uh, I don't, you know, you look into the sort of neurodiverse community, and and that's obviously a trigger, and it's kind of funny <laughs> at times too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, you have ADHD, and they may very well have it. And and honestly, I've had those conversations where I was like, like, oh, like, cool, like I also have ADHD, and they're like, ah, you know, I'm, or like, not
0: really, I was kidding. You know? Yeah, oh, or like, no.
2: or or I'm like, hey, like, do you legit have ADHD? Like, that's really cool. Like, they're like, yeah, I do, and then that kind of opens up the conversation. I just like if it comes up. I'll just like be straight up and be like, yeah. Like, do you legit have ADHD? That's really Mm -hmm. cool. Let's talk about it. You know? Um, Because yeah, we can, I'm sure we can riff on that for a long time, but like, it's funny Mm -hmm. because uh, people or in general, like, you know, not everyone understands what ADHD is. And and I think that that's okay. And I think that that's fine. I think it's just a matter of, I don't have a, I don't have an easy way to describe what it means to me or how it makes me feel or how it makes me behave. But I think there are, you know, ways to describe that to people. Um, you know, those who are close to me know and and I think that that's, that's great. Uh, but yeah, if we were to kind of mention it to complete strangers saying I have ADHD, they may have a different understanding or they may already have mm-hmm. some skewed perspective based on media or mm-hmm. whatever of what ADHD might be. So explaining it, you know, s- similar to that, like, hey, my brain works differently. And, and uh, because X, Y, and Z. Yeah.
0: Um, this, yeah. When I first was uh, was uh, diagnosed, I was running around telling everybody like in casual conversation, but I've since pulled that back a little bit, <laughs> um, because it would be like, it would be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to do my dishes once. I'd be like, no, no. No, no. Yes, yes. you know but now i realize that some people it is a little bit too much for them because it's maybe not just kind of general polite casual conversation like my brain yeah. works differently yay and they're like what you have for dinner can we yeah. a, can we go back to that let's talk about food that's safe yeah exactly
1: <laughs> i think that that's uh that's an interesting point though that we've kind of come back to here is is those being able to have those conversations so much of that stuff and and what you know neurotypical people perceive as oversharing or whatever um, so much of that stuff is because people are hungering for a community and especially mm. yes. um, in, in the absence of of you know support um, from like a counselor or a psychologist or something that's kind of that 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 mutual aid and that community building aspect becomes paramount there to be able to relate to other people and, and kind of um bond over those similar experiences and not feel alone. And mm. I just think that that's um yeah, just just something that's going to kind of become more and more important as we kind of go on is these little sort of informal communities like the one that Ryan's building like the one that uh, Robbie and I are building, these kinds of things um mm-hmm. finding places to to see yourself. Um yeah, so so I guess as kind of a maybe last wrap up kind of thing. um, I'm curious, like if you have uh, any other kind of like strategies for um, building community or kind of finding the people around you that you can share this stuff with.
2: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I'm only trying to find that out myself. Uh, And Mm -hmm. and I think that again, the fact that Ryan and, and you folks are doing the, the this project, I think that this is hugely important in so many ways because it does uh, give voice to those who have uh, you know ADHD, and it does give uh, you know folks who have ADHD that that outlook to kind of uh, seek something that you know they can relate to. And I think, um, I think the fact that all of you are doing this is very important and I think that it does give again folks the opportunity to reach out Uh, because you were doing this I just wanted to reach out and be like awesome thank you for doing this this is so great Mm -hmm. that's it like that's just like just hearing someone else talk talk about it and and and, you know plugging in and just kind of listening in and that that in itself is is helpful for a lot of people uh having those conversations with Ryan that's you know important for a lot of people having that conversation with Ryan was like a lot of fun because we were able to talk, you know. Thank you for giving me the platform today to kind of talk about these things and, and talk about my experience. That's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun to talk about something that you have with other folks who do have it as well, and 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 that in itself is is nice. And that in itself is something that I think um, the more and more you see uh, those projects come up, more and more you'll see those conversations happening naturally in, in sort of the real world, um, and and. Yeah, I think it's great that that this is happening.
0: Everybody? Amazing. <laughs> um, and I just realized we're going to have like a serious fan sound in the background because the door just opened to the house with our one and only air conditioning room. So it's going to be Jordan, I'm sorry, when you're editing, it's going to be like, Brah!
1: I can't hear anything right now. So I, can't, okay. Okay. I can't. I'm sure it'll yeah. come
0: through anyway, because I can hear it on here. So it'll probably anyway, I apologize for that. No,
1: that's okay. All good. Um, yeah, uh so yeah and, and and thank you because this is uh Dominic because this has been an enormously um not only interesting but also mm-hmm. uh I I don't know it think is maybe too strong but I'm really glad to hear that um you know so much of the kind of of institutional understanding and and structure and especially the role of the vice principal it's really interesting to hear how much that has changed because um you know uh I I love learning, but the kind of structure of schooling and and a lot of, you know, some of my educational experiences really didn't turn me on to to wanting Mm -hmm. to learn more. And I'm just so happy to hear that there's more recognition of of what's needed as far as supports, but also, yeah, just kind of like um, trying to facilitate people uh, uh, having, not only getting educated and socialized, um, but also, Enjoying themselves and and discovering themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel I feel very uh, again privileged to be a part of of something like this. Again, um, the role that I'm in, not only uh, that, but also the school that I'm at. I feel very humbled and privileged to be here uh, because I am learning a lot and I am interacting with a lot of folks who uh, who I really feel inspired by. And and again, I'm un- understanding a lot more as well the uh, inequalities that are out there. Um, very, very, very blatant inequalities from you know structural, structural racism uh, to uh, just a, a barriers to, to, to ass- assessment or anything along those lines. And I think that um, it's a big kudos to the folks that are working in education that are actually putting in the work to wanting to change things. I think that it's because of, of them that we are seeing a, a, a paradigm shift. And I think that um, it's only gonna continue getting better
0: Amazing. That's so well said. And thank you for pointing to that as well, because it is, it needs to be uh, conversations happening um, all the time and action, uh, action, real action uh, to dismantle that, um, like you said, the structural racism that exists in a lot of our institutions. And I want to echo what Jordan said too, because like I do, I love learning and I love absorbing new things, but most institutional settings are just really not designed for brains like mine. And it's often really, really stressful for me to even get into that. So I just don't, right? (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, it's lovely to just kind of consider the idea that there's these young brains coming up in the world and they're being supported in a way that uh, will help them to thrive. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Thank you, it's pretty special. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or plug before we let you go here? Uh,
2: No, again, just a big thank you for for having me on. I think it's been been a lot of fun and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And um, yeah, kudos. Thank you. Thank you so
0: much, Dominic. I have goosebumps right now. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Yeah, thanks
2: guys. I really appreciate this.
1: If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media.
0: A full list of platforms is on our anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on
1: the positive. (laughs)